Hey, this is Mary Christopher. Today is Sunday, August the 21st. How did it get to be August the 21st? It's just July the 21st, it seems like. This is our Sunday meditation podcast, and I'm sitting in one of my favorite spots outside under the trees. Cloudy today, it's humid today, um, nice breeze, very gentle, soft, lovely breeze, helps keep things cool. I hope wherever you are and whatever you're doing, that the weather's good. That things are going well. It's quiet here in the neighborhood. No one's mowing their yard or revving up their other lawn equipment. So I had a really busy week last week. Like really busy. Like too many things to do, right? And we all have those weeks. So by the time I got through it and got most of my to-do list done, right, sometimes I create to-do lists that are way too long. And then I wind up heading for bed frustrated and, and not happy with myself because I didn't get everything done that I put on my to-do list. So... That's kind of silly, so I'm working on that, so I won't overdo, right, I won't overdo my to-do list. So when I get frustrated with myself, and I'm not sleeping as well as I could be, right, then I, I have several books that I reach for that just stay stay by the bed there um, and one of the books that I love is called Love Poems from God 12 Sacred Voices from the East and West and it's um, <clears throat> put together by Daniel Ladinsky he um is an American. He lived in Western India and he worked in a rural clinic free to the poor and lived with the family of Mayor Baba and who's a very, very famous mystic, especially in uh, that part of the world over in India and that area. Uh, he published three volumes of Hafiz, who was a Sufi poet, Poetry in Translation. The gift, the subject tonight is love, and I heard God laughing. So, he um, has quite a good knowledge and experience with love poems from God. So, I thought we might read a few of these today. 
and I'd like to start with Rumi. Um, Rumi, Jalaluddin Rumi, lived from 1207 to 1273. He's considered one of the greatest poets known to history. His influence throughout the Islamic world for over 700 years and more, more recently in Western countries, is astonishing. He is currently one of the most widely read poets in the English language. Rumi was born September 30th, 1207 in Afghanistan, and it was considered to be the eastern edge of the Persian Empire. So I won't read all the everything that's written, but I will say that Rumi was extremely well-educated and was, uh, of course, grew up as a mystic and was uh, had a, an amazing relationship with someone by the name of Shams, who was like an, an itinerant uh, mystical teacher who wandered into Rumi's life and, and had a tremendous impact and helped Rumi find what he was seeking with, which was with a, a very deep and as total as possible love, love affair with God. So I'm reading something that um, is in the introduction to Rumi's poems. Rumi says to us in a poem, Love is the cure, for your pain will keep giving birth to more pain until your eyes constantly exhale love as effortlessly as your body yields its scent. Love is the essence of Rumi. Love became his very being. Love is the impetus of all his poetry. Rumi sings fantastic promises that do not disappoint the sincere student. Stand with dignity in the magnificent current of my words, and they will carry you into God's arms. So I've, I've had a love affair with Rumi and Rumi's poetry for, uh, well, gosh more than 30 years, right? So I, I selected just a, a couple of Rumi's poems, and, um, and then I'll read some from another poet. And, and I'm just selecting a few because they're such... Each of the poems in this book is just such a jewel, right? And if you do get this book, it's amazing because you can just sometimes, when you're in need of a good love poem, um, you can just open it up anywhere, and there's your answer, right? It's one of it's one of those kind of books. So the name of this poem by Rumi is called "With Passion." With passion, pray. With passion, work. With passion, make love. 
with passion eat and drink and dance and play? Why look like a dead fish in this ocean of God? I really like that one. <clears throat> Okay, I'm going to find another one. If you put your heart against the earth with me in serving every creature, our beloved will enter you from our sacred realm. And we will be, we will be so happy. This one is called The Way Wings Should. What will our children do in the morning? Will they wake with their hearts wanting to play the way wings should? Will they have dreamed the needed flights and gathered the strength from the planets that all men and women need to balance the wonderful charms of the earth? so that her power and beauty does not make us forget our own. I know all about the ways of the heart, how it wants to be alive. Love so needs to love that it will endure almost anything, even abuse, just to flicker for a moment. But the sky's mouth is kind. Its song will never hurt you. For I sing those words. What will our children do in the morning if they do not see us fly? This is a very short one. It's called the Relationship Booster. Here is a relationship booster that is guaranteed to work. Every time your spouse or lover says something stupid, make your eyes light up as if you just heard something brilliant. Okay, this is the, the last one of Rumi's that I'll read. I am afraid of the daylight. All these miracles are about to drive me crazy. My elbows, my ears, my nose, my wife's nagging and the sweet darkness of the night and this blanket existence around my soul and my heart connected to the pulse of every creature. I am afraid of the daylight. Yesterday, God was everywhere, throwing bliss, balls, planets, and their kin. 
Okay, so I'm now, I'm going to read from There are just so many, so many really amazing amazing poems. Okay, this is from, I'll read one from Hafis, um, who was an, another great Sufi Persian poet. The sun never says, even after all this time, the sun never says to the earth, you owe me. Look what happens with a love like that. It lights the whole world. Okay, now here's, this is uh, some poems by St. Catherine of Siena. She lived from, <clears throat> excuse me, from 1347 to 1380, was said to have been profoundly interested in every human being that ever came before her. She devoted herself to relieving the mental and emotional suffering of the hundreds who sought her out. Her words and her touch bestowed a soothing grace. Strange, she once said, that so much suffering is caused because of the misunderstanding of God's true nature. God's heart is more gentle than the Virgin's first kiss upon the Christ, and God's forgiveness to all, to any thought or act, is more certain than our own being. So she was born in 1347 in Siena, Italy, and she was a very mystic kind of person from from very early age, which I find most children are. Um, most children that I know are very competent mystics. Um, and unfortunately, we have a tendency to ignore that and think we have to um, fill them up with other notions and information um, like that. So, she wrote poems um, and she is considered a saint by the Roman Church and very well respected and and read and shared all around the world. This particular poem is called Consumed in Grace. I first saw God when I was a child six years of age. 
The cheeks of the sun were pale before him, and the earth acted as a shy girl like me. Divine light entered my heart from his love that did never fully wane. Though indeed, dear, I can understand how a person's faith can at times flicker. For what is the mind to do with something that becomes the mind's ruin? A God that consumes us in his grace. I have seen what you want. It is there. A beloved of infinite tenderness. one is one of my favorites vulnerable vulnerable we are like an infant we need each other's care or we will suffer we need each other's care or we will suffer I won't take no for an answer. I won't take no for an answer, God began to say to me when he opened his arms each night, wanting us to dance. Wherever you may look, wisdom is so kind and wise that wherever you may look, you can learn something about God. Why would not the omnipresent teach that way? I'll read two more. These are short. Um, the wonderful thing about the poets, at least most of the poets in this book, is that they have a sense of humor, which I love. Okay. If someone cried in heaven, if you cried in heaven, everyone would laugh for they would know you were just kidding. <laughs> I love that one. <laughs> uh, 
Okay, this is... I'll read this last one. Rest in prayer. The sun hears the field talking about effort. And the sun smiles and whispers to me, Why don't the fields just rest? For I am willing to do everything to help them grow. Rest, my dears, in prayer. So, one of the characteristics of the mystic poets that we just read, as well as other mystics, whether they wrote poetry or not, is their love of solitude and quiet. And in many ways, the world that they lived in was quieter than our world. They didn't have cars and trucks and lawn equipment and airplanes flying overhead. Um, and they, they often sought solitude in nature, as you could tell from some of the poems. Even though they might have lived in convents or monasteries or lived somewhat secluded or oftentimes the homes in that part of the world had gardens even like small gardens or maybe very large magnificent gardens but the what the point I'm attempting to make is that nature was very much a part of the world that the people in the Middle Ages lived in. I mean, you you know, they raised as much of their food as they could. They went to the market to buy fresh food every day, every other day. They baked their own bread. Um, or they baked bread that was made by, that was baked by someone down the road. Um, someone out in the country raised their goats or sheep or cattle, milked, you know, people made cheese, right? So they were, they lived a very tactile, involved, for the most part, life with earth. They were very involved with food production. Um, they were walking places in most cases. Uh, like their feet were on the ground and their, their hands and all of their senses were involved in the earth. So they would not understand our, especially in what we call civilized countries, they wouldn't understand why 
we have yards that are nothing but grass or plants. They wouldn't understand why we weren't growing fruits and vegetables and like that, okay? They wouldn't understand that. They would think it was a waste. I mean, I doubt, being mystical poets, I doubt they would frown at us, but I'm also sure they would not understand why we are growing so much grass and we don't have any goats, right? Or sheep, or right? Anyway. <laughs> they were tremendously involved um, with the earth. And so the there's an element of transcendence that comes through their poetry. So my point is that for them, prayer was not just getting on your knees or going to the, the synagogue or the temple um, to pray. For mystical poets, it was meditation. It was sitting quietly, giving themselves an opportunity to be in God's presence, to let their heart and their mind be quiet. And breathe in God's breath, like the breeze would be considered God's breath. So, when they use the word prayer, it's not just a recitation. That they, It was that, but it was also giving themselves quiet time. So, let's do a little bit of that. I hope you enjoyed the poetry. It's a w wonderful book. Highly recommend the book. Um, so obviously I'm outside if you can be outside, great and if you've been sitting as I have uh, let's stretch walk around a little bit when we sit for too long or stay in one position for too long then our body intends to interpret that as um, we want to stay that way which we don't, right? <laughs> we, we don't want to stay that way. Some birds flying around today in the trees behind me behind where I'm sitting. We've had some rain, so everything, of course, is very green, and there are, of course, areas of the world that are in drought, and it's very warm and very difficult, so pray that we could get some little more balance in our world. So that the the weather 
and the climate change could be a little calmer. <laughs> it's difficult. It's very difficult for farmers and gardeners and people, people who grow our food when the climate is changing. So let's, let's, um, since we, since the breeze or the wind is often considered to be the breath of God, let's work with our breath. We'll do our meditation and we'll work with our breath, especially um, if you're sitting under trees or by the ocean or somewhere where there's a good fresh air moving. It's easy to feel that as we inhale that fresh oxygen with all those good negative ions in it. Um, on the one hand, we understand breath. On the other hand, it's sort of amazing what happens in our lungs as we breathe. It's sort of miraculous. And we don't have to do anything. It's like it's such amazing engineering uh, that we don't even have to think about that we're getting managed, that we manage to absorb oxygen from the air. So we'll just be with our breath. And one, one way to do that is just to be grateful for every breath. You don't have to try to breathe or breathe any particular pattern just we'll just be grateful for the air we're able to breathe and if you're inside maybe you can open a window if not imagine that you're at, in your favorite forest your your favorite garden uh, maybe you're in a rose garden somewhere or just your favorite place in nature it's a beautiful garden, beautiful spot, maybe by the beach. If you're all stretched out and comfortable, then see or feel your breath. Just let yourself feel your breath or visualize air moving through your nose. Breathe all the way down into your toes. Our wonderful, amazing toes. And as you breathe out, 
following your breath, your toes up your legs, through your body, the bottom of your lungs. past your heart, out to your nose or your mouth, and it's in the space all around you. As you breathe out, allow yourself to relax. As you breathe in, breathing down into your solar plexus, Feel yourself becoming more centered. As you breathe out, following your breath, your solar plexus, from your lungs, past your heart, out into the space all around you. Allow yourself to settle in and relax. And when you're feeling centered and relaxed, at ease with yourself, just be with the blessing of your breath blessing of the air, the oxygen, the ions, the light. Remember that you're breathing in light. Just let yourself be with the beauty of your breath.
If you're able to stay with your meditation, just stay with it. And if you need to move on to the next next thing on your list, then be aware of your breath. As you breathe in, following your breath down to your solar plexus, be aware of how centered you are and how calm. As you breathe out, following your breath, from your solar plexus in the bottom of your lungs, past your heart, your wonderful, amazing heart, through your throat, and out through your nose or your mouth into the space all around you. Be aware how relaxed you are, how at ease you are. And when you're ready, as you breathe out, gently open your eyes. Ah, oh, lovely. So restful. Have a wonderful week. Hope you enjoyed the poems. Hope they'll be a blessing. Thank you for listening and remember to breathe.